Good morning, good morning. So today we're starting off a new series, and uh, eventually we're going to figure out the lights. There you go, Ernie, that's good, right there. And we're going to start a new series on Elijah. And I don't know if you've ever read anything on him, but he was um, an amazing guy. However, right off the bat, what I want to let you know is that in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He was just an ordinary guy, an ordinary individual that God wanted to use in extraordinary ways. And I want to just kind of talk through all of that, but before we put him on this high post pedestal, then when we go, wow, what an amazing thing he did. God wants to use you just as He used Elijah. He was just an ordinary man like you and me. But he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years because God told him so. And we're going to get right into that story right off the bat. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, it starts out like this. He says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, before I go any further into this story, we got to ask some questions. Number one, uh, what, what is the deal with with? This Ahab guy, who is he? Who is Elijah? Like he just kind of bursts on the scene. And uh, why would he say that there would be no rain? Okay. So back in chapter 16 of 1 Kings, it says this Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years. So he was the king for 22 years in, uh, in, in, in Samaria. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil. In the Lord's sight. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So King Ahab, right off the bat, what I want you to understand about him was he's, not a, he's the bad guy. He's not a good guy. And what did he do? Anybody hear of a person by the name um, of Jezebel? Jezebel? Yeah, this was his wife. And Jezebel was not a good woman because she worshipped this this other, this other God. And, uh, and so what she did was she influenced King Ahab to do the same, which is why he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Even more than any of the kings before him. Like, he, he wanted, to, she, well, she wanted to get rid of, uh, of, rid of all the, the true God stuff. And, and bring in this other God who was supposed to be the, the God of rain and the God of uh, thunder and the God, all these, this God who was supposed to be the most powerful one. We'll talk about him in just a minute. And it goes on, it says, And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King uh, Ethbal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal. That's who we're going to talk about, the God of Baal. And this was, not, this was a false god, and, and 
Next week, we're going to talk about this huge showdown between Elijah and all the prophets of Baal. But that's next week. So you, you don't want to miss that. The showdown is like, it's like if you don't read the Bible, the showdown is like movie worthy. And I'm sure they have done the movie. I don't know. But anyway, Baal. Let's talk about him. Baal is considered the most powerful of all gods. He, he, he's supposed to rule the world. And he's the god of fertility. He's believed to enable the earth to produce because of rain and because of water and for people to produce children. So whenever, whenever Elijah went to go confront him and say things like this, it is not going to rain until I say so, what is he really doing? He's challenging Baal. He's challenging their false god. Because who causes it to rain? Baal, according to Jezebel. Baal does. And so when he says it's not going to rain, this doesn't suit well for him. And usually, he's de- Baal is depicted as holding a lightning bolt. He's like this god that, like, if, if you're good, okay. If you're not so good, zap. Isn't it kind of funny that that's how some people view our God? Our God is up there and he has this big lightning bolt and if you don't stay on the straight and narrow, he's just going to zap you down. That's not our God. Our God is full of grace and full of mercy and love. and That's, that's our God. We have him so mixed up. We have him mixed up with Baal, really. Right? And so, this is a divine challenge. A divine challenge. In other words, who's the real God? And next, again, next week, the showdown happens. It's a cool story if you've never read it. It goes on to say this, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine. So, God has Elijah go up to the most powerful person in the world, and he comes out of nowhere. We haven't heard about Elijah up until this point right here, where he goes to King Ahab and says, hey, it's not going to rain for, until I say so. And then God tells him, go hide. <laughs> you go to the king, you tell him this news, and then you go hide. right? And he tells him exactly where to go. Go to Uh, Go eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. Ravens? What? That's a dirty bird. Like, who likes ravens? Unless you live in Baltimore. Right? I mean, why would God... Why would God use a raven to supply food? But one of the things I want you to pick up on here is this. The word there. The word there at the end. I want you to pay attention to that word. Because it is there at the brook, the Kareth Ravine. It's there where God wants him. It's there. It's not, another, it's not the Jordan. 
It's not another little brook. It's there. And we're going to talk about there in just a minute. But I want to tell you what careth ravine, what the word careth means. It means to cut off or to cut down. Now, isn't that interesting? So God is going to cause a drought to happen. No rain, no dew, no water, no nothing for a long time. And he sends them to this careth ravine. And he's supposed to drink water from there, and then the ravens are going to bring him food. But careth means to cut off. You know what's going to happen over time to that little brook? It's going to go away. No water. No water. <laughs> but he's supposed to go there. So, anybody ever get confused about where God wants you to go? <laughs> anybody? Am I in that boat by myself? <laughs> you know, where does God want me to go? What does he want me to do? What? Well, I think God speaks to us, and sometimes whenever he tells us to do something or to go somewhere, we go, that doesn't really make sense. I, I don't really think I'm going to do that, right? Like, n- no, no, because there might be danger, or there might be away from family, or there might be problems, there might be lost people. There might be people who don't look like me. There people may not dress like me. There people may not talk like me. There fill in the blank. And so it doesn't make sense to us and we go, I'm not going there. (laughs) I'm going to go where it makes more sense because you know, you know more than God, right? Yeah, no, no, you don't. But Elijah did what God said. And you know what happened there? He was able to drink from the brook. And he was fed by the ravens. He didn't have to worry about food. God took care of it. I remember when we came here, we were living in a place called Pageland, South Carolina. It's, well, how do we describe Pageland? Amy, don't talk. (laughs) it's a little behind the times. Like, you you know, I've talked about this before. Black side of town, white side of town, don't mix ever. They're still talking about segregation and integration and things like that. And you're like, haven't we gotten way past that? Well, not there. (laughs) But God had me go there so I could meet a person named Mike. And then we were to team up. And then we were supposed to come here. And how do I know that we were supposed to come here? Because God kind of led us here. If you don't know the story, here's the deal. Me and Mike, we felt called to plant a church. Where, though? Where are we supposed to go? It's not in Pageland, trust me. We're not staying there. So what Mike and I decided to do is, on the word of some people who, are t- who knows about church planting, they said, hey, what you should do is just drive around the state and figure out where, you want, where God wants you to go. Oh, thanks for the great advice. You know, South Carolina is small, but have you ever been in the car with Mike? That's that's scary proposition. <laughs> hey, now. So... Here we are, me and Mike, we're driving around the state. We, I mean, we go to Greenville, we go to Columbia, we come here, we go to 
I don't know. We went all over this state. But something happened when we came here. Something in our hearts happened when we came here. And then we heard something. We heard a statistic that this is the only county in the whole state labeled pagan because it's less than 10% evangelical Christian. And when we heard that, we knew where there was. We didn't know anything about this town. We didn't know a soul in this place. But what we did know is it needed the gospel. And maybe we can do something a little bit about that. And maybe we can kind of infiltrate the culture here and be a little bit different. And maybe, just maybe, the gospel can come to a very dark place like this town. You say, well, and did we have doubts? Of course we did. We didn't know anybody here. No family here. No nothing. Matter of fact, you know what this church started with? Nothing. Four people. Mike, Lynn, Amy, and I. Four. And we said, well, well, you know, I had a really good job back in Pageland. I had a good salary. I had benefits. I had a good youth ministry going. God was blessing it. What do we have here? Nothing. That's what we have here. No pay. No insurance. No benefits. Rice and beans. (laughs) (laughs) salad now right do you know do you know little mac do you do you know we got i've never missed a meal here god has taken care of us here god has god called us here which was our there and when we said yes God says, I'll supply you with what you need. And all throughout this little journey of ours, he has. And I I mean, the biggest, the scariest thing about the whole thing was me going to talk to Amy about it. I went to Amy and I said, hey, Amy, I think God wants us to go plant a church. And I'll back up. <laughs> right? I back up because, you know, I don't want to be in the way. I don't want to be in the way. Because I, you know, I've we've kind of gone down some crazy roads in our marriage. Like one week after we got married, I said, well, she already knew this, but God called me in the ministry and I got to go to school. Well, the school I wanted to go to was in Texas. So one week after we get married, we go on our honeymoon, we come back, we move to Texas with no place to live and no job. (laughs) But that was our there. And God took care of us there. He sent the ravens. He, He led us by the brook. He was faithful to us there. What if we hadn't gone there? What if we decided yeah, I don't really think this whole like no job and no place to live 
I don't think that's for us. <laughs> Who wants to be homeless? Well, Amy seems to trust me a little bit. I don't know why. So whenever I go talk to her about planting the church, which means she knows what that means. It means no salary, no benefits, no job, no place to live. She knows all this. And you know what her reaction was? Let's go! Sort of. I mean, she doesn't really get that excited, but she was like, okay. And I was like, who are you? Because she doesn't like change, you see. So it was a little odd. But I knew as soon as she said, okay, I knew that it was real, that we were really about to do this thing. And God has taken care of us. Even if he sends us to a place that means to cut off or to cut down. We're going because God said so. And so did Elijah. He did what the Lord had told him. He did what the Lord had told him. Do you do what the Lord tells you? Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it's God, God is going to feed you by the ravens and let you drink through the brook. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed where? Stayed where? Where? There. He stayed there. He stayed there. He stayed there. He stayed there. So sometimes when we get to there and we evaluate how things are going there, sometimes our there is like, I don't want to stay there. I, I, I don't want to stay there. It's hard there. Right? It's, sometimes it's hard where God has us. Isn't that, isn't that true? But he stayed there. So let me encourage you. Where God has you, he has you there for a reason. Stay there. When you stay there, you'll see what God does. And if you leave there, you don't get to see what God does. But he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Did God provide? Just as he had told him he would provide? Yes. Just in time, when he wakes up in the morning, he sees the bird, right? I'm sure that's not what a raven sounds like. I have no idea what they sound like, but that's the only bird noise I know. Here they come, providing just as he said. And he drank from the brook, just as God had told him. And he did this, for a while. We don't know for how long, but we do know that he stayed there until the brook dried up. The brook dried up. You know why the brook dried up? No rain. No rain. Bright, sunshiny day every day. Drought hits the land. The brook dries up. 
And it says, sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. When did it come to him? After the brook dried up. He stayed there until God spoke to him again. And he said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay where? There. Stay there. I have directed a widow. What? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being him? And God speaking to you like this? Him saying, hey, I want you to go to this place east of the Jordan and I'm going to have ravens take care of you, dirty bird. And early in the morning, here they come. In the evening, here they come. He provided through the dirty bird. And now he wants him to go to this city, this other town, where he has directed a who? A widow. That doesn't make any sense. Do you know why that doesn't make any sense? Widows don't have anything. Back in that day, widows didn't have anything. It would be the least person to have taken care of God's man. A widow. <laughs> and where it was there. A widow there to supply you with food. It doesn't make any sense. What does Elijah do? He goes there. He goes there. <laughs> he goes there. God has a pl- plan for Elijah when he gets there. Wherever there is. God has a plan for him. God is going to provide for Elijah when he gets there. What if he chose to go a different path? We don't know, but I, I, can, I, can, I can guess. God's going to tap him on the shoulder and be like, I didn't tell you to come here. I told you to go there. Now, get up, get on your donkey or whatever, and go there. And make it snappy, happy, because I got plans for you. I got plans for you. When he gets there, he is assured of the Lord's blessing and provision. Because God told him he was going to take care of him there. And he's going to bless him there. How do you see blessing in a drought? Well, you kind of see blessing as this. God provided food in the morning through a dirty bird and through the brook. And now he's going to see a blessing in this widow. Check this out. This is, this is awesome. Are you there? Oh, there. There has a lot of places. Noah, it was an ark. An ark. Do you know that before Noah had built the ark, no rain? It had never rained before. They... And he's building it in the middle of nowhere. And they make fun of him. They come and they laugh at him. They're like, what are you doing, Noah? How stupid is this? He goes, God told me so. You better pay attention. It's going to start raining here soon. So for Noah, there was an ark. For Daniel, it was a prayer room that led to the lion's den. 
And like, well, the lion's den, you want to you, you take me to the lion's den where lions eat people? No, thank you. I'll, I'll pass on that. But for Daniel, it, he, it led him there. For three Hebrew boys, it was the fiery furnace. And God was going to do something amazing for them in the fiery furnace. Did they want to face that? Probably not. Did it make any sense? Probably not. But they went anyway, and they didn't bow down to another God. They were going to stay faithful to who they were and the God that they served, and it led them to a fiery furnace. And what did God do? He showed up in the middle of it. Amazing. For Ruth, it was a field owned by Boaz. That was her there. It was her there. Like, where was she supposed to go? She was supposed to go to this field and this man named Boaz. And then they got married and God blessed them and it was amazing. David, it was the throne of Israel. That was his there. That was his there. And did David mess up in there? Yes, he messed up there. But did God bless him there? Yes, God blessed him there. That's where he was supposed to be. Greatest king Israel ever had. For Paul, it was a prison cell. That was his there. You know, without the prison cell, we wouldn't have several books of the New Testament. You ever think about that? Matter of fact, his there was in the middle of that prison cell when he was saying, be joyful in all things. Paul, who are you? That's crazy talk. Nobody's joyful in prison. Oh, Paul was. And you know what happened? The whole, the whole prison got saved because of Paul. If you don't know any of this, go read the Bible. It's awesome. For Jesus, it was the cross. doesn't make any sense. He asked if there was any other way that God could fulfill His promises, let there be another way. But your will be done, not mine. So the cross was His there. And He went there. Thank God He went there. So there is that place in your life that finds you where God has placed you. I hear so many people, so many people who just hate where they live. Like, man, I I just hate this place. There's nothing to do. I hear there's nothing to do in Beaufort. I'm like, you have lost your mind. Go to Pageland. You have to travel to go to Walmart. You know, there's nothing to do in Beaufort. You got a whole ocean in our back door. How could there be nothing to do? Right? Let me say this to you. You know where the grass is greener? It is not on the other side. It's where you water it. And God has you where you are for a purpose. For a purpose. And God wants to use you here. He wants to use you in your there. You go, oh, I don't know. I'm not like these. Do you remember I said at the beginning, Elijah was an ordinary guy, an ordinary person that God just used in amazing ways. He was ordinary, just like you, just like me. Where is your there? And I want you to remember, you're there because God wants you there. If He wanted you somewhere else, He would place you there. 
So while you're here, while you're at, you're there, water the ground. Make your grass greener. So I think of several words that come to my mind as I read this. Number one is a promise. They all start with P, by the way. Promise. Promise is the first one on your listening guide. Promise. God promised Elijah that the ravens would feed him there by that brook. Not somewhere else. He is told that a widow woman there in Zarephath has been commanded to sustain him. And if you go on to read that story, if I didn't put it, I didn't put it on your listening guide and I didn't put it up here, but if you go on to read that story, that widow, she had one little jar of oil and some very, very little uh, um, stuff to make bread. Okay? And he told the widow, go make me something to eat. And she was like, I only have a little bit left. And what I was planning to do was this was going to be me and my son's last meal. And then we were going to go die. He made a promise. He was like, it's not going to go dry. Just go do what I asked you to do. And you know what God did? It never ran dry. God kept feeding him through the widow, through that small little jar, through that uh, of oil and that flour. And, and God provided in an amazing way. And that widow and her son, well, they didn't die then because God was providing for, for his man. But the deal is this. Promise? Yeah, he promised Elijah, but he promises us too. When you get there, wherever there is, you will discover that God always does what he, what he promises he will do. Always. He always does what he promises he will do. So let me go back to the story about me and Amy going to seminary. We had no job and no place to live. And I've told this story before, but I want to remind you. When we got there, we, we, we were told that they needed teachers all over the place, right? So we were like, job's not going to be a problem for Amy to get. Because Amy had to get a job, otherwise we couldn't go to seminary. And God called us to seminary, and I believe that God called us to that particular seminary. And so God was going to provide. But when we got there, thank, thank goodness my mom lived there, and so we were able to live with my mom for the time being. But I didn't want to live with my mom. We had been married one week. Nobody wants to live with your mama when you've been married for one week. You know, like, like come on now. Nobody wants to do that. So, but we did that, and it was, I'm thankful and grateful that, that, that she was able to provide us some place to live, and it was about an hour and a half away from seminary. That's too far to go every day. Too far. And so we were told that seminary housing, there was a wait list of like two years or something like that. So we were like, oh, good gosh. But we wanted seminary housing because it's cheap, 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 cheap. So we, we put our name on the list. I don't know how you do that. Just tell them, put us on the list. Well, time went by. She wasn't getting a job. It was getting close to the time that school's supposed to start. No job, no job, no job, no job, and no place to live yet, apart from my mom. 
and I'm getting nervous, and I'm getting antsy, it got to the point where I was like, Amy, listen, if we don't have, if you don't have a job within this week, we're going back to North Carolina, and we're going to pretend none of this ever happened. Okay? And we prayed. I remember sitting in our, my mom's living room on our knees, begging God, like tears running down our face type. Have you ever been there where you're just like begging God for something? And you're like, God, I can't do this if Amy doesn't have a job. <laughs> you know what happened that week? Amy got a phone call from a school district that was about 30 minutes from seminary which was on the other side. So it would have been two hours for her to drive every day if we stayed at my mom's house. Well, we went to that interview, like we went together. She went into the interview and I just kind of just piddle farted around. They hired her as we were driving back from the interview, back to my mom's house. Seminary called me and said they had housing for us. <laughs> God always does what he promises he will do. Always. And when you get to your there, wherever there is, you will discover the same thing. He always does what he promises he will do. So those who are there will see more than those who aren't. Those who are there will see more. God, Elijah got to see God provide for him through a dirty bird and through a brook and through a widow. What if he hadn't gone there? He would have never have seen those things. So when you're there, you get to see God work. When we went to Pageland, I got to see God work through the youth ministry. And you know what? I still talk to several of those kids from that ministry, and they're out there doing ministry. If I had never gone there, I, hadn't, I wouldn't be able to see what God did. When we came here, I got to see God work. Mac came through the doors, and we were like, yes, lost people are coming to our church. <laughs> That's a true story, by the way. When he came through the doors, just because of how he looked, Mike thought he was lost, and he, he, we celebrated as soon as he went inside, we celebrated outside. <laughs> Come to find out, he knew way more about the Bible than either one of us, right? It was, it was pretty cool. But if we're not there, we don't get to see God work. So be there, wherever you're there is. The second word I thought of was provision. Provision. When Elijah got there, when Elijah got there, the ravens flew in right on time, every morning and every evening with his meals. And when he arrived at the widow's house, he saw the Lord suspend the very laws of nature. He was providing for him there and for the needs of the widow's family. He was able to see it. He was able to be a part of God's provision. God wants to take care of you. When you get there in your life, you will find that the God who promises, 
The God who promises is also the God who brings it to pass. Like I said before, I haven't missed one meal since moving here. And I have yet to have rice and beans for dinner. (laughs) Not one time. And that was the plan. I mean, I don't think you understand. I left a $50,000-plus job with benefits to come plant a church with nothing. We went and did some fundraising, but what if they stop? What if they go, I don't have any more money? What if the, what if the market goes, Poof! oh, guess what happened while we were doing this? Yeah, but what we got to witness was the God who promises is also the God who brings it to pass. We got to witness it, and so will you when you're there. Providence is the next word, providence. When Elijah arrived there, he was reminded that God is a God who is at work on both ends of time. You're like, what, what, what are you talking about? When did he command the ravens to provide for Elijah at that brook? Was it after he got to the brook? Nope. He had commanded those ravens before. Before. Remember, because he said to Elijah, I have commanded the ravens to bring you food at the brook. I have. It had already come to pass. Before he commanded the prophet to go to Kareth or Zarephath, he had already commanded the ravens and the widows and the widow to take care of him. Already. He had already done so. So before there was a need, before there was a need in Elijah's life, God had already taken care of it. God had already taken care of his need before there was ever a need. Now that is a cool God who will do something like that. Same goes with you. Same goes with you. Those who go with God and find they're there soon come to understand that they are serving a God who is not bound by the limits of time and space. He lives outside of that. He sees the whole picture We can only see our right here and right now, but God sees the whole picture. And He doesn't live inside of our time limits and our our space, and he, He doesn't live there. So He knows what you need before you need it. And if God has commanded you to go there, you can be rest assured that He's already provided something for you when you get there. Your tomorrow is His right now. And whatever takes place in your life, it doesn't matter what that is. Whatever is taking place in your life is the result of his advanced planning. Say, how can I how can you say that? Because there's bad stuff that happens to us, right? There's bad things happen to good people. Right? So how can you say something like that? God already knew that something bad was going to happen to you. And he's already provided the way for you to handle it and for you to get through it. 
It's already provided what you need before you get there. The next word is power. Power. When Elijah arrived there, he got to see the ravens bringing the meat and the bread. God has the power to provide for you. He got to see the flour and the oil supply never run dry because God's power was all involved. He got to see the Lord raise a dead child back to life. I forgot, I didn't tell y'all that's part of the story. The widow, his, her, her son that was with her, he got sick and died. And the widow came to him and said, did you come here so that my son would die? Like she, she was angry. And what he did was he, he, he had her stay where she was, and he went and he laid on top of this child for like three times and prayed. And as he prayed, that third time, that boy got up and he was able to bring him to his mom and say, he was just asleep. No problem. No big deal. Here he is, alive and well. He got to see the power of God raise a boy back to life. Do we get to see that? Do we get to see that? I would say yes. Because how does the Bible describe people who are not in a relationship with him? Dead. They're dead. And whenever they say yes to Jesus, what happens? They come alive. They're given new life. They're a new person, a new creation. We get to see the same thing. We get to see the power of God working through us, and we see dead people coming alive. We just don't think we get to see it. He got to see the power of God manifested before his very eyes, all because he was there all because he was there. When you get there and stay there, you will be in a position to see the power manifested in your life as well. I love the job I have. I love it. Because I get to see people come to life. I get to see people growing in their relationship with God, getting closer. I get to, I get to help people with their relationship with God. I get to see the power of God manifested because I am where God wants me and I have stayed here. And I have no intention of leaving here. Unless God tells me the brook has dried up and we're going somewhere else. And so far, y'all keep coming back. (laughs) And so the brook hasn't dried up yet. I'm not leaving here until that happens. Being there will sometimes place you in a a situation that is out of your control. Like you have no, I have no control over anything. And the older you get, the more you realize that. You have no control over anything. (laughs) Try to control your kids doesn't work, <laughs> right? You, you have no control. But you know who does? God has everything under control. 
He has the world in his hands, right? He controls everything. Everything. Nothing that happens does not come apart from him. Even when you feel like Satan is attacking you, do you know that God, he had to go ask God for permission to do so? That's right. You should feel proud. You should feel proud that that happens to you. You know why? Because Satan doesn't want you to be doing what God wants you to do, but God has this plan for you already mapped out. And he wants to use you in a powerful way. (laughs) And when you stay there, you get to see his power at work. When you feel Satan attacking you, you tell him, go back to your place that you belong. You you know where that is? H-E, double hockey sticks? That's right. You go back. Leave me alone. God has something planned for me. God wants to use me. God wants to do something with me. Otherwise, you wouldn't be bothering me. So get away from me. And then whenever you feel like that he's not leaving you alone, you know what you do? You get around a small group. You know why you get around a small group? Because when you start to develop these little webs, if you would have gone to the uh, thing that I did at, at Love House, I did this little illustration there at Love House. We passed around string. And what strings represent are connections. And connections, what they do is they help get Satan back away from you. Because when you have people around you who have your back, who love you, who want to see the best things for you, Satan doesn't have a chance in all of Hades. Right? So this week, I had a therapy session with Mac. And it was a great therapy session I needed it, he needed it, and what I'm going to tell you right now, in all 100% honesty, I feel so much better after talking with him. He didn't say anything I didn't know. It was just talking and being connected. That's where the power is. And when we stay there, we get to see God's power. Protection is the next word, protection. Elijah was a wanted man. Did you know that? When he went to the, to the king, when he went to him, and he said there's not going to be any rain, you think the king was just like, oh, great, thanks for telling me. Who are you? Like, you got no power. You, you, nobody's even heard of you. You think that's what he did? No, he's trying to stamp him out. He's trying to kill him. He went on a hunt. He went, he went, he was going to find Elijah. That's why God told him to go hide. Because he was a wanted man. The king wasn't going to stand for someone telling him that it wasn't going to rain. Because Baal is the God of rain. Baal's going to cause it to rain. And then, guess what? Day after day after day after day after day, it's just bright and sunny and no rain and no clouds and no nothing. What's up with that? This guy must have some type of freakish power. So he sends people to go kill him. He's a wanted man. Ahab was hunting for him. But because he was there, because he was where God told him to go, go to hide, because he was there, he was in a place of safety and divine protection. Does it mean that whenever you're at your there that nothing bad will ever happen to you? No, it doesn't mean that. But I'm going to tell you, the safest place to be 
is where God wants you to be. <laughs> the safest place. Zarephath was Jezebel's backyard. <laughs> that was like where she came from. And he, God told him to go there to a widow. But even in her backyard, God's protecting him. God's protecting him. For you and for me, the safest place you can be is there where God told you to go. Dead center of the Lord's will, dead center of it, is where you need to find yourself. And if you're not there, God wants you to get there quick. So those five words came to my mind. And the last one is privilege. That's the fifth word, sorry. Privilege. You're like, privilege? That seems weird. But by being there, Elijah learned more about God and His power than he could have anywhere else. If he was somewhere else, he wouldn't get to see any of this. We wouldn't get to experience any of this if he wasn't there. But being there was hard, no doubt. The rain, you know, when the rain stopped and he's being fed by that brook, you don't think that was hard? He's in the desert. You don't think it's hard? Sunshine all day, every day, hot. And he's being fed by ravens and drinking the brook water. You don't think that was hard? It's hard. You don't think coming here was hard? It was hard. It was hard. This is the hardest work I've ever done in my whole life. It still is. And yours will be too at points. It will be hard. But being there afforded him, it afforded him the opportunity to watch God work. It afforded him the opportunity to watch God work and to see God do things firsthand. When you see God do things firsthand, something happens to you. I remember whenever I first shared the gospel for the first time as the full-time youth pastor, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> it, was, it was the scariest moment of my life. And I have no idea what I said to that poor girl. And I know I totally messed that up. But she got saved anyway, in spite of me. And you know, I got to see God at work firsthand. And it, I have never been the same since. It did something to me. It just, it just, it, it, it does something to me. God's path for your life may lead you through some treacherous waters. <laughs> but until you go with God and watch Him do the impossible in your life, how will you ever know? How will you ever know what He can do for you? How? how? Unless you try it. You don't know. But when you do it, you get to see firsthand. Mary and Martha, Moses, David, Noah, the disciples in the storm, the three Hebrews, Daniel, none of those would have ever known what God could do unless they had first placed the trial, or faced the trials of faith and stood in their there. 
they would have never been able to see God at work and do those crazy things. Are you there? Are you there? Are you, are you in the will of God? Are you there? You should ask yourself that. And then, not only ask yourself that, but maybe, just maybe, we should ask the one who wants us to be there in the first place. And if he says, you're not there, I want you to go here. Let me encourage you. Go there. (laughs) And then you get to see God at work. Are you where he wants you to be? It is the best place in the world for you to be. You could be anywhere in the world. Are you where he wants you to be? Are you doing what he wants you to be doing? Stop complaining about the grass being greener somewhere else. That only leads to misery. Start watering where you are and watch God work. (laughs) Watch God work. You won't regret it. Elijah certainly didn't. And next week you're going to see how God used him in an incredible way. But remember, he's ordinary. He was an ordinary guy just like you and me. So does God want to do something, maybe not just like that, but do you know the showdown was about the real God and Baal? But we face false gods in our day right now. And we're going to look at that showdown next week. And I just want you to keep in your mind, Elijah was an ordinary guy. And God used him in extraordinary ways. All because he was there. Because he was there. Are you there? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And thank you for an opportunity to be where you want us to be. And God, I pray that we are there, that we are where you want us to be, that we are in the will of the Father, that we're in the dead center of where you want us to be. And God, if we've been complaining, convict us that you have us here for a reason and help us to start to learn how to water our grass where we are so that we can see you working, so that we don't miss We don't miss out on what you have for us so that we don't miss your work because when we miss it, we don't get to, we get cynical. And God, you know, that's just not a good place to be. But when we get to see your work, when we get to see your power, when we get to see you change people, oh my, how that so affects us. 
and it changes us. <laughs> and we find ourselves happier no matter the circumstances around us. We have joy no matter the circumstances. It's a, that's a crazy idea. But we find ourselves there, even when it doesn't make any sense. Lord, thank you for everything that you do for us, because nothing that happens to us is apart from you. And so God, I just ask that you would show us where our there is. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, to find our there, first we've got to be under Him. And we've got we to gotta have a relationship with Him for Him to tell us where our there should be. And it's really simple. It's not confusing. It's not hard. It's, not, it, it, it's so simple a child can understand, yet so profound that it changes our life. And we have to say that we have messed up. We have to admit it. We have to admit that we mess up. And we all do. We all mess up. But we have to believe that Jesus is the answer to our mess up. See, because when we mess things up, so when we, when we don't do what God wants us to do, it severs our relationship with him. It, it, it makes us apart from him. And you know that to be true. Because let's say somebody lies to you, doesn't tell you the truth, or they steal from you. Does that bring you closer together? Of course not. It, it, it drives a wedge between you. There's something off about the relationship. Same thing with God. We drive these wedges between Him and us. So much so that we can't fix it. And that Jesus came so that we, so, so, we, so He could fix it. He fixed the problem. We have to believe that. We have to believe that the cross was for you and for me that it takes out the wedges and we get to have a relationship back with Him. And then we just commit our life to Him. We say yes to Him and we become His child. And now we have this relationship with Him that's better than ever. And then He can show us where our there is. But you've got to take that first step first. If you haven't done that yet, make today that day. If you've already said yes to Him and you're like, I don't think I'm there. Man, let me let let's develop these little these these connections where we can pray for you about that. Let's join hands. Let's let's do this together. And let's find you're there wherever that is. Cuz that's where God wants you. And that's where you'll see him at work. That's where you'll see all those, those things that we talked about today. Let's, let's do that together. So let's stand, let's worship, and you respond how God wants you to. Wherever you are, you respond to that leading of the Holy Spirit.